This is Dan of the Movie Blues Podcast with Dan and Dan. Please leave your message or your one-star Speed Racer review after the beep. Thank you. Hey, Brian, it's Ben. I'm just calling to say I miss you. I miss you every day. I can't think about a world without you, but you're not in the world, so I have to think about it, and I have to live it. Oh, my God, this is not you. Hey, Movie Blues, it's Vin Diesel just calling you back up. Say Hi. I heard you're having another season. I heard your family's back. I heard this summer we're in store for some really fast and some really furious races here. As I'm on my way to the set for Fast and Furious 29, you know, I just wanted to take a minute to call you because I got my check. I mean, I wanted to just wish you guys the best of luck on this season and say that Letty, myself, Jesse, the spirit of Brian, and even the Chang brothers are really proud of what you boys are doing. It's very difficult for Dan to make a joke and Dan not to laugh at the joke, but then Dan to make the joke and Dan to laugh at that other joke and make another joke that's the same as the first joke, but laugh at the first joke, all while driving and escaping the police. I understand. It's not easy being the center of attention, being on the stage and driving so fast. But you know what? You guys got it. You got the drive. You got the family. Just like me and Letty. You guys get behind the wheel and you don't let anything get in your way. So we're wishing you a good and a happy and a fun season here at the Movie Blues Podcast. And remember, you can live your life more than a quarter of a mile at a time. I, I, I didn't mean it. I, I, I didn't mean it. into this with buddy fucking four fast and furious movies in how are you feeling dan i'm I'm feeling conflicted by how juiced on nitrous or nas nas i am right now combined with the fact that right now is the exact moment that i'm becoming hungover it's just hitting you right now yeah well in that case let's talk about one of the least that's why we're drinking baby (laughs) let's talk about one of the least abrasive movie (laughs) franchises in history the Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Um, if anybody uh, doesn't know, we have understated. Yeah, it's um, it's like a subtle series yeah. of works. Um, I watched it on Criterion. Interpretation mostly up to the viewer for most of them. Yeah, um, it's a little abstract. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to FF Five. We're both apps are for family. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, this is um, the fifth uh, Fast and Furious movie, but it is the fourth entry in our ongoing exploration of these films. Once again, we skipped Tokyo Drift because we are racist. This this is the third entry into our FF. 
Well, this is the yeah, this is the third episode, but we have now gone through four of the movies. Okay, um, okay. that's this what you're saying. Is um, I keep forgetting Tokyo Drift is even a movie. This is 2011's Fast and Furious Five, uh, which is just titled Fast Five. Big ups to the marketing department for synergizing the fuck out of that one. Very yeah. clean. Respect. Um, and. Um, I think before we kick uh, into anything, I should probably say, welcome to the Movie Blues Podcast. I am Daniel Scott Lyons. I'm Dan Enden. And um, we are once again here to um, decry and denounce more of the best films of all time. Continuing on today with 2011's Fast and Furious 5, uh, directed by Justin Lin. Um, this movie was a giant turd rolling down a hill. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I would say that... I would say that easily this was my favorite of the series. Um, I would yeah, say yeah, that you I called it a giant still, turd yeah, running down the hill. <laughs> I still hated this movie. Um, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm surprised because you seem to have such a kinship with Too Fast, Too Furious. I know, because uh, once again... Um, too Fast, Too Furious had that kind of BDE and traumatic brain injury that I was looking for in this franchise. Um, things have kind of only gotten, like, more serious and, like, just dour. Um, <laughs> I really, like, the LOLs weren't flowing to me in this one, but um, before we talk about this one I feel one like the reality is that in Too Fast, Too Furious, you were just laughing at their clothing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Too Fast, Too Furious was, like, in the sweet spot. It was that early 2000s giddiness that I was really looking for. Um, I don't think anything really... You know what, honestly, dude, I really don't think anything's topped that one. I think Too Fast, Too Furious may actually still be my favorite one now that I'm talking about it out loud. But, um, I was going to say, because you started by calling this one a giant turd rolling down the hill, where Too Fast, Too Furious, you were, like, elated by. <laughs> I gave it, like, a four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you gave it, like, a glowing review for an hour straight, and then we're like, terrible, four out of ten. <laughs> yeah, um, because I want to get um, a couple things straight right off the bat. Instead of first jumping into and talking about this film... Let's do a little retrospective, um, we've already kind of begun it, of what we think of these films. Um, I am starting to get the feeling that these are the kind of movies that um, a Latino family of 18 uh, goes to on a Saturday and everyone has a ton of fun, eats all of the popcorn, and um, they get to hear a little bit of their language, a little bit of their music. Vin Diesel's probably representative Familia. of every minority that will go and see Fast and Furious, could potentially see themselves as Vin Diesel. Um, so it's a multicultural uh, gangbang of just horrendous music, really poorly shot action, really awful acting. Um, it's really just a woeful series of movies that I feel like I felt really hyped going into this one. Um, now I feel like I'm like stuck in a, a, a literal sand trap, just slowly sinking. Um, you brought this upon us, man. I know. I, I mean, now, you know, we're committed. We only have six more to watch. We're <laughs> not even halfway done. <laughs> All I can say is like, there Just is think a about reason. That. You've only watched. You've watched a small portion of. These I know. Movies. I like literally know nothing yet. You know. And then when we finish it, we're gonna have to go back and watch Tokyo Drift. Yeah. The, so it's seven movies from now. <laughs> so look, here's what I'm trying to say. <clears throat> these are family movies. Um, when I say family, not only do I mean family, but I also mean like 
These are literally for children. Um, every one of these movies could have been kind of devised from a plot and narrative point of view by a sixth to seventh grader. Um, if you said, what would you like to see happen in a Fast and Furious movie? I think a child would describe the exact plot of the movie that we watched for this episode. Um, and, I, want to uh, see, I want to see Vin Diesel chokeslam a cop and then bang her. And then they go to the police station and all the money's in a vault and they whip it out of the building and drive <laughs> it to the ocean. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it. Um, yeah. Uh, God, these movies are trite as all fuck. Um, and whether they take the cars out of them or put more in them, whether they call together the multicultural, extremely untalented cast of all of these films, <laughs> like that was the ploy of today's movie. It was like, let's just fucking gangbang every single one of them together, and that will kind of equal that you'll automatically like the movie. And that was just not true for me. Yeah. Um, you know you have an impressive achievement on your hand when it's an ensemble picture in which The Rock is by far the best performance. <laughs> um, here's the problem about these movies and the shift that they've made. So, and, and this is even per like what Universal Studios said about this movie, which is that they wanted to move away from the street racing aspect and head towards more of an Ocean's Eleven vibe. <laughs> the problem with this being shoehorned into an Ocean's Eleven movie is that, that every character is a fucking moron. <laughs> the genius of Ocean's Eleven and the montages therein is like. Here's Chang. He is a four-foot-tall Chinese man who can literally hide in a safe and jump out through a grid of lasers. There's no one on the Fast and Furious team that has a particular skill. There's right. no one. <laughs> well, no, Chris Ludacris Bridges is he's very like good kinda, with technology. He's kind of the internet guy. <laughs> but, like, uh, Tyrese is basically just there to be, like, misogynistic and just, like, stupid. Other than Chris Ludacris Bridges, which, first of all, I really want you to hunker down and think about the fact that the only person with a discernible talent <laughs> in a film about a hundred million dollar heist it's is Chris Ludacris Bridges, and it's yeah. just his ability to use like a Vivo Palm Pilot Eleven. <laughs> he looked. There was the one scene where he he's looking at the vault, and he's able to discern like the thickness of the steel just from looking at it. That's like that. That's his skill. Dan, I want you to cast your brain back. Okay. okay, cast your brain back to Fast and Furious 2 where right. we met Chris Ludacris Bridges. Yeah, I was what about up. the character that we met in that movie <laughs> who is ostensibly a guy who ran a gigantic jet ski party house <laughs> in which women were fellatioing him all day long and he was literally crashing million dollar vehicles and having like... like he was a, a walking afro pick. Yeah, I mean the dude, he was like, a, yeah, I mean the dude from NBA Street just like came to life <laughs> yeah. slammed 400 Mountain Dews and had a heart attack and owned a garage. In yeah. this one he's like, he's like the straight man. What about that <laughs> lends to the fact that he is going to then eyeball and crash Crack, one of the most difficult safes in the world. And they it's tried to address it, dude. nonsense. They, like, retconned it by being, like, he was like, I had a life before I met you, O'Connor. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's like no, you didn't, because this movie, the first Fast and Furious movie was ten years ago. Like, ludicrous, like, it's, like, ostensibly, like, twenty in the, at that, at that point, like, twenty-two. Oh, my God, I hate these movies, like, so this is oh. to assume, so basically the premise that we're supposed to understand now, oh. as we know it, is that in the, ten, in the ten years since the first Fast and the Furious movie happened, yes. the enti- Ludacris has evolved from being, like you said, like the cover character from MPA Street, 
to. Which, which, like, first off, like, that means he got... First, he was a high-tech, like, bank like right, bank yes. heist runner. According to his then own he history. Became, yeah. Then he became, like, a hype man for the street... For, like, street racing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lateral career move, surely. Um. Yeah, right. And then he, he maintained that for 10 straight years until Brian called him from Brazil and was like, hey, you want to come to Brazil? And he was like, I would love to. I mean, that, dude, the, the first issue is that, okay, no, no one has any skills whatsoever besides driving. So when you shoehorn the series into international espionage, to assume that the same people that you saw flying 25 feet over a, a closing drawbridge as they scream, slap that ass bitch, is probably right. not the same person who's going to be able to break into a police station and remove a vault yeah. full of $100 million. We're, we're supposed to assume Vin Diesel, who couldn't even tell that Paul Walker was a cop, <laughs> like, as, as Paul Walker proceeded to infiltrate his entire family by ordering the most, like, bombastic sandwich that he could possibly at, like, his family deli. Dan, like, imagine liking these movies. I I truly can't. And <laughs> <laughs> since like, just we've imagine, been, just since imagine. Since we've done, started doing these episodes, oh. I've spoken about these movies to so many people, and I I know someone in particular who I really respect their film taste, and she proceeded to just re- like really give a glowing review to these films. Um, yeah, I mean, that's upsetting. Um, yeah. I, uh... People like them, man. And he, look, I'm not here to judge you for what you like or don't like. It's literally exactly what you're here for. I'm here to instead cast a complete generalization about what kind of person you are based <laughs> on how much you enjoy the Fast and Furious films. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Um... I, um, I'm just so disappointed, dude. I'm really, like, when I said in the last I episode that NASA's has run out, <laughs> I am fucking, like, I am running on sparks. I don't know what you expected to get out of this. <laughs> like, I thought it was going to be funnier. It's like, not funny at all. What are you disappointed by? This is exactly oh. what I was expecting. Dude, it's just not funny. I mean, sometimes <laughs> it is really funny. And honestly, again, this was my favorite one so far. And there's a lot I do want to talk about with this movie. There's all sorts of elements that I think worked. And there were some laughs in it. It's just like... It's kind of like I saw it, I enjoyed it. And then days after, and now it's been a week... And every time that I've thought back on it, it just like, it it just like turns darker. The image just turns blacker. <laughs> to the point now, I think back on it and I can't remember really anything about it. So I'm going to be kind of bound to my own notes. I mean, I remember Fast and Furious 4 was kind of like, oh, let's take this cartel's... No, wait, let me go back. I remember Fast and Furious 2 <laughs> was like... Uh, how about we take this cartel's money and we keep it for ourselves? And then I right. feel like the next one was like, well, what if we find this vaguely Latino cartel, we steal his money and keep it for ourselves? And then the <laughs> one that we watched this time, which I thought was a brave turn, was let's go to a different Latinx country, rob a different Latinx cartel, and take his money for ourselves. So I feel like the trajectory of this series... Is, is, would you call Brazil Latinos? I mean, in last week's episode, you called an Indian person Middle Eastern, so I think we're pretty much just <laughs> doing the best we possibly can right now, Dan. Um, uh, I mean, I did just in the same breath where you're using the phrase Latinx. <laughs> <laughs> that 
that's the proper terminology these days. That's like when they put the plus at the end of LBGTQ, but with cholos. Um, Dan, would you like to start talking about 2011's Fast, <laughs> Fast and Furious uh, 5, a.k.a. Fast 5? Yeah, this is uh, the first one that I've enjoyed. <laughs> I was... It, dude, it's just like... They're, they've, they've gotten so comically repetitive while trying to present themselves as not being repetitive. So this time, like, they presented literally the exact same plot, and they were like, but the stakes are higher because one of us is pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and Vin Diesel, like, you'd think for the sake of continuity, given that, like, he's on the run and surely not eating well, that they wouldn't have him be, like, the absolute most jacked that he's ever been or that a person has ever been. Like, in this one, his he's got, like, neck muscles that, like, he has a double chin, but the double chin is pure muscle. It's fucking insane. I've, I've never <laughs> seen somebody look more fit and fat at the same time than Vin Diesel. Dude, like, it's almost how, as if, how if, if he were Vin to Diesel stop... from Boiler Room, If dude. he was to stop working out for a month, he would balloon to, like, 380 pounds. Dude, the shape of him is so unnatural. He's like, <laughs> he's literally he's, just like seven different lumps connected. It's he's so like a funny. golem at this yeah. point. It's it's like if I tried to draw what like like the Fast and Furious ones Vin Diesel's body shape was, but I'm a terrible artist, so it's just like just a giant blob of just muscles. Well, I feel like That's if you sat looks like the point. Rock down, if you sat Dwayne the Rock Johnson down and said, "Draw a picture of yourself." It would end up looking identical to Vin Diesel. Dude, the two of them on screen together. We're going to get like... there, dude. We're going to get there. Like, like, honestly, that was the highlight of the whole movie. Uh, seeing two of the baldest, most powerful men in the universe clashing. It was like Batman versus Superman. Dude. It was better than Batman versus Superman. Cat was like walking in and out of the room as I was as I was watching the movie, and I was after the fact telling her how bonkers it was, and she was like, "Yeah, Vin Diesel was like a cop in this one," and I was like, "No, why do you think that?" She's like, "I walked in, I saw the back of his bald head, like, but in a police uniform." I was uh, like, "No, that was the Rock." That and is she the was Rock, like, sir. She was like, uh, "It looked just like Vin Diesel." I'm like, yeah, I mean, they're completely indistinguishable people at this point. Dude, imagine when they add Statham into this, who who is also bald. I know. I it's know. gonna be like a fucking Rogaine commercial on a thousand steroids. <laughs> I feel like they made The Rock grow a goatee purely because they were like, "You can't have you just like tell the difference." <laughs> You can't have the Samoan Vin Diesel. <laughs> like, just, no, Vin, like, D- Vin Diesel commanded that the rock grow a goatee. <laughs> oh, shit. So, oh my god. Uh, the first scene of this movie, while being almost literally identical to the first scene of the last movie, opens up with a car heist of, well, to give people an idea, if you don't know where we're at in this film series, Vin Diesel is arrested or pretty much gets screwed by the cops into arresting himself. The last film ends with Vin Diesel's been arrested and he's being transported to prison on a bus and we see the the, the merry band of mischiefs approach on in a bunch of cars and look at each other knowingly and then the film ends on that riotous cliffhanger. Um, And then we pick up um, in the same unbelievable stunning set piece where um, 
Uh, like the last movie, uh, all of Dom's crew arrives in supercharged cars to do one simple task. Um, all they had to do was pretty much shoot out the bus's tires. Um, let's say that that would take maybe three to five bullets, one shooter, and one supercharged car, but instead they use five supercharged car cars to flip the bus over that Vin Diesel is on, yeah, which is full on. to the brim not, of people. Flip, yeah, not just flip this bus, but... Paul, Paul Walker is driving a coupe, like a tiny car, and just fucking like hand brakes himself in front of this enormous bus. Like think of, it's not like one of those like <laughs> scrawny like Shawshank-esque buses. This thing is Debo, and he turns perpendicular to it, and the bus hits his car. In real life, dude, this Paul Walker would have... Paul Walkered himself in that right. scenario. Like that that car would have exploded. And instead what happens is that car is like a fucking cinder block. It does not move and this enormous like 25-wheeled bus just fucking flips clean over the thing. There's not a bit of damage to Paul Walker's car. It's fucking insanity. Um, and this bus, again, is like a human fucking taquito. It's filled with like 120 prisoners, no guards, yeah. no guns whatsoever. Yeah. This thing flips... Everyone a, lives. This thing flips a literal fatal amount of times. We're talking about a full-sized <laughs> bus with a full capacity with no seatbelts whatsoever flips 50 fucking times and on the news clip that they shoehorn in immediately afterwards it says that there yeah. are quote no everyone's fatalities fine. yeah everyone's great um and this this dan breaks into the thing that has driven me fucking wild about these movies that now is coming to the forefront for me um that is the ethics that we are yeah, being told constantly. to feel about the main crew of the Fast and Furious movies. Um, is This is going to come up a bunch of times, but basically by shoehorning in that little piece of news that said, well, everyone's fine, it clears Dom's crew ethically. It makes zero functional sense, but right. it's one of many Fast and Furious's um, multiple yeah. tricks that they pull where whether it's that they never are carrying guns, whether it's that you almost never see them killing people, um, these people that we're watching and identifying with are tremendous criminals. Yeah, and I mean, the reality is that they, there's a direct line to be drawn from the whole mindset of this movie to these fucking goddamn Antifas running around in that the messaging of this movie is that everything's fine as long as all you do is personal property damage. There's no respect for property in these films at all. Or no if you steal money as long as it's from a bad person. Right. Which, like, you know... that In I, the I, cartel's I case, which is all three of these movies, typically the cartel is funneling money from their own people, robbing their own people blind. So, like, these movies are pretty much like, what if Robin Hood showed up in a Nas-injected car, stole all of um, the bad guy's money, and then just kept it for him and his yeah. friends so yeah. they could move to an <laughs> island and drink beer? And they did ten <laughs> times the value of that money and property damage to a commercial <laughs> district in any major city. <laughs> that is the basic functionality of these films at this point, is the Robin Hood story where the poor people always lose. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Especially because the entire... The entire 
thing is predicated on like Brazil's government being so corrupt that they're in bed with this cartel leader. So that that ultimately means that all of the destruction that they're doing to the property, we've already established that the government is not trustworthy. So right. surely that's going to hurt well, only the poor people of that country. Dan, not only that, but from a meta point of view, this movie hurt the people of that country as well um, <laughs> because this movie was received very poorly in Rio and was received very poorly in Latin countries. Um, apparently a lot of the critics in Rio wanted to ban the movie because it just made the entire country of Rio de Janeiro look like a rat-infested hellhole <laughs> full of criminals and psychopaths. First of all, the film is not made in Rio. I don't know if you knew that. Um, it, it was it was made... It looks um, like it was filmed in, like, Center City, Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that tracks regardless. Um, uh, it was filmed in Puerto Rico and was set-dressed uh, to look like Rio, including, like, digital backgrounds and things like that. Um, and uh, they did it out of a $10 million tax incentive. So just imagine that basically what happened is Universal was going to make this shit pile and went to Rio and was like, would you like us to trash your country in your country? And they were like, no, fuck that, that sounds horrible. <laughs> they were like, Vin Diesel requests to go on vacation to Rio, <laughs> yeah. so we're setting this film in Rio. But then Vin was like, I found a way to make ten million dollars. <laughs> and then they went to Puerto Rico, made a movie very disparaging against Rio de Janeiro, and then acted as if the whole movie was in it. So good job ethically on the outside as well as the inside of these films. <laughs> Poisoned from the ground up. <laughs> yeah, this, these films are just like morally repugnant. Um, so then oh, we're basically launched into a plot where Brian and Dom's sister are on the run together in Rio de Janeiro. They're looking for money, like all of these people. They somehow are able to su sustain themselves in between being on the FBI's most wanted list, being on every international Interpol list. Um, but they're deciding that they need to make some money. So they do an elaborate train job for stolen cars, which, again, I'm wondering why cars are or ha ever have been the essential stolen good of an insane heist. Yeah, like, how and why Brian and his friends who make it to Rio manage to find criminal jobs that specifically cater to stealing high-end race right. cars. That, right. like, they're like, oh, well, we have a job for you. It just happens to be stealing, like, the nicest cars imaginable off a train. Yeah. Um, and I don't understand why each of these movies has to go through this, like, predication of, of like, the protagonist be forever being off offered a job and like being d declining it once politely like like just being super reluctant about it and then you're like oh betty's not gonna do it and then it takes the guy being like like in this one he's like he's like i have a job for you and i'm like oh i've heard this before for in four previous movies i bet paul walker is gonna say no not working anymore and sure enough with his baby damn blue eyes he's just like no i'm out of the game man and then uh, he reminds him that he's starving to death because he's on the run. And he's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> what we want you to do is use a bunch of high-powered cars to go steal a high-powered car off of a train. <laughs> and also total several of the high-powered cars we gave you to steal the high-powered cars off of the train. Yeah, so they pull up to this train in, in, in this fucking so, vehicle. So that, fucking stupid. They pull up to this train in this absurd vehicle um, and basically run alongside of the train while like laser cutting a hole in the side of it. And, like, you know, the, the numerous passengers on the train don't notice this. The, the, the person driving the train does not notice this massive shift of weight by like a ton of steel being cut out of the side of it. And there were no fatalities. 
uh, there, no, there ended up being a bunch of fatalities yeah. in that one. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, it was a bunch of government agents and shit. That's why. That's why the. That's why uh, Hobbs gets brought in. So wait, before we get there though, so they like pretty much they botch this train heist. That's what ends up happening, and they yeah. go back to their hideout afterwards. Um, so this is like more of just like ethically. So wait, are confusing. we moving on from the train already? Uh, we could go back to it, but just like I thought it was really funny that after the train heist that Mia then says quote, they're blaming us for the death of the DEA agents on the train and like, she says it all like incredulously the fact of the matter is like, you didn't directly murder all of them, but you and your stupid car heist kicked off literally all of this shit. Yeah, so, like, never mind acting... the fact, sorry, never mind the fact that at one point Vin Diesel physically throws one of them out of the train <laughs> as they're going past a bridge and his body just hits the, the side of the bridge at full speed and just boomerangs through the air. Like, like, and then Mia's literally like, they're blaming us for the death of the DEA agents yeah, on the like, train. Like, I'm like, I literally watched Vin Diesel commit the single biggest act of violence I've seen in this entire series in the previous shot. I really wasn't expecting such, like, grotesque slapsticky violence for one second. Um, do you have any? Do you have anything else you want to say about the train, Dan? I, dude, like... I could talk about that fucking train for the entire <laughs> podcast. It's, it's just like, wh- every time you know they have to sit around, they're like, all right, boys, time to start. Like, all right, we're going to, we just got greenlit for Fast Five. We got to do it again. And you know, the first thing they do is just like storyboard this intro scene. And they're like, who's going to write it? And they're like, all right, what are we going to do this time? They're like, all right, we know there's going to be at least five to ten cars. Again, Vin uh, Diesel in the background typing on a typewriter right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with, with two index fingers. Yeah. <laughs> you look at it. You look at his script. It just says in big letter, cars. <laughs> <laughs> the guy explains for ten minutes, like, okay, here's how we're gonna do it. And it just says train, crash, car. <laughs> The guy's like, like okay, right. here's how we're going to do a heist Vin that doesn't involve cars for once. And he yeah. explains it for 15 minutes, and Vin Diesel just write car. <laughs> he just write cars. They're like, Vin, we really want you to stretch out your chops on this one. What do you think they should steal? He's like, what if they're stealing a car he's from like, a train? He's like, you've reached the edge of my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot think further than this. Should they should, should they hijack a train? No, they're gonna steal a car from a train. They're like Vin. How about like a new character? And he's just like another me. <laughs> and they're like, okay, so The Rock, I guess. And he was like, yeah, but put goatee. A, put a beard. On. <laughs> they won't be able to tell the difference. Oh, God. Um, so, uh, yeah, then, as we've been alluding to this entire time, we are introduced to Hobbs, who is Dwayne The Rock Johnson in one of the fiercest yeah. goatees I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah. The man is literally moist 24-7 in this movie. Yeah. He is <laughs> glistening yeah. wet. There it's are incredible. thousands Dan, thousands of beads of sweat on the man's head at any given Dude, time. I had to know where it looks like before each scene they just dump one of those Gatorade coolers of water on top of him and act like it's it's, it's sweat. It looks like they made him do all of his action like after a 48 hour bender and he's like literally sweating out all of his toxins. Dude. <laughs> I have never like, seen sweat like that, man. No, a bead no of joke. his sweat is the size of one of my fingernails. <laughs> I have literally a page and a half of notes between the train scene and when The Rock shows up. <laughs> is it all about just sweat? Dude, I mean, like, it, it, 
that that train scene ends um the way they get out of this like what was what was even happening someone in the crew like turned on them or something like i don't know the, the whole the whole heist they went thought, awry they thought that the guy who was in the first fast and furious movie that they brought back in this one like had double crossed yeah. them anything below a b plot i'm gonna say this right now and this goes for all the way through Hobbs and Shaw for the next three movies. Anything below a B-plot, I'm instantly erasing from my memory from these films. So, like, okay. if something happens that doesn't directly involve the four to eight main characters, I'm completely checked out. Okay, well, then I'm just going to recap some things as, like, a, a quick one-two <laughs> okay. punch that need to, need to be addressed. Just in case you need the narrative tissue just, uh, to continue this episode, Dan's going to yeah. fill us in a little bit. Yeah, Go there's ahead. a couple things that happened before we're introduced um, let's see, they, uh, the way they escape this chaos of uh, their heist going completely awry and there being lots of violence and, and gunfight and cartel members after them is that uh, Brian and Vin just like drive clean off of a cliff. Oh my like, god, that shot like, was incredible. Like a 200 foot high cliff and just like... Rough estimate, 200 feet. We've been we've been talking since the first one about how unusually calm they look whenever they're racing. In this situation, they're plummeting off yeah. of like think to of the death. biggest cliff you've ever seen, and they just calmly just like open the door and just like gently jump out. Danny, like, you want to talk a, about physics a little bit? Yeah, this if is you're a cliff in a car that is rocketing off a cliff at a, at a, let's say a hundred miles an hour, because you yeah. know that in the last Literally, three least... seconds, Vin Diesel pressed his foot all the way down <laughs> on the gas pedal. Um, normally, if you were to throw yourself off a cliff like that, sure, maybe you would survive. Like it's kind of unlikely because the force is going to be no, tremendous. Not even, not not like, not even. This Dude. is a bridge that people would jump off to kill themselves. Absolutely, and if and you were in a car being rocketed already. 100 miles faster than you normally would if you even threw yourself off of the bridge the yeah. the sheer force of you hitting the water after them being catapulted off of a car yeah. it would your literally liquefy your yeah. asshole it would liquefy your organs to yeah. do what and they, they did basically in that they basically like they're like do a cannonball <laughs> So then they, they, they proceed. So much style too, it's yeah. absurd. And they proceed to immediately. It means nothing because they immediately get captured and get. Uh, the next scene is them dealing with the cartel boss for the first time. Our new antagonist. Oh my god. They're they're handcuffed from the ceiling again. I, I have a lot to say about this part. And you mean you mean how Dom literally ripped apart the fucking handcuffs to escape? <laughs> he doesn't get his hands through. He doesn't find a key. He just clean rips them apart <laughs> through sheer strength. Just rips them in half. <laughs> yes, um, Vin, Vin Diesel, much like the character, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the film King Kong, um, when the monkey blows out of its restraints in New York City um, and, and runs a rampage, that was like how they filmed him breaking out of his handcuffs. He's literally inhuman at this point. Uh, the whole point of handcuffs, for anybody who hasn't been in them, is that a man cannot simply flex and explode them behind his back. Um, it's just something that really doesn't happen a lot. Um, and you would think if that was an option, he wouldn't have subjected himself to, like, however many days of torture it's implied that they've been handcuffed to the fucking wall for. Um, the bad guy in this movie that you were alluding to, um, I know his name is probably Reyes, um, but I'm going to be referring to him as Tu Braga. <laughs> That's kind of how the movie does its sequel, so... Tu yeah. Braga. 
<laughs> because much like the uh, villain from the last film, Braga, this guy is just a stylish, ambiguous Latin stereotype who's obsessed with money, murder, blood, and vengeance. Um, yeah. It's pretty much a going thing at this point. I kind of wish they would just switch to like robots or aliens at this point because I don't know how many times that they can do this, honestly. Yeah. It's starting to really grade. Um, uh, yeah, so... Um, they are captured by the villain. They're put in chains, even though Vin Diesel breaks directly out of them. The whole point is like, I know in some movies, dude, the bad guy gets too close to the good guys, and you're like, oh, okay, dude, you should probably just kill them. This was like one of the silliest ones where literally like the bad guy ties him up, has them both like in a seedy warehouse where I'm sure there's barrels with bodies decomposing in them. Right. And the guy's like, all right, you guys can go home. <laughs> And the next scene, they're just not there anymore. Right. And then the whole movie is about them turning around to, to disrespect and steal all the money from this guy. Like, of course they're going to do that. Like, why yeah. did you let them go? And Vin Diesel was, like, so unusually calm. The cartel calm. doesn't even let babies go. Right, why would right. they let Vin Diesel and Paul Walker go under any... Why would anyone who is an enemy of a man that looked and acted like Vin Diesel allow him to walk away from any situation? <laughs> yeah, right. And, and they like letting get Dracula go. It makes no fucking sense. They get out, and Vin is literally like, Go walk it off, O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian, Brian, Brian's just like, thanks, coach. Like, I feel like Vin Diesel has the worst uh, anger issues of anyone in the, in the film, and yet he is constantly telling other people to walk it off. Yeah, he's constantly telling people to relax. He's like, you need to cool it. It's like, dude, you literally just threw a DEA agent into a bridge going 100 miles an hour on a train. You relax, buddy. Yeah. You need to relax. Um, yeah. So, I mean, The Rock shows up. I, I can't believe that Vin Diesel actually conceded to having an even more massive, even more self-obsessed uber bald man in this movie but uh, here we go <laughs> it's like I, I can't imagine and you know I don't know if you know this or not but the I uh, please tell me you know this that the rock and Vin Diesel have been personally fighting throughout the course of all the movies that the two of them have been in together that they have a really contentious relationship what yeah no, I, I didn't know this IRL they like literally and then when when The Rock went off and made Hobbs and Shaw, that really pissed Vin Diesel off because he had nothing to do with it, a.k.a. he didn't make $100 million from it. And he was, like, posting about, like, why won't they make, like, a Dom spinoff? Why are they going to make a spinoff of these two clowns? Oh, my and, God. And they've been fighting a lot, the two of them, back and forth about these movies. It's like... Yeah, I mean, it's got to be rough for Vin. Like, think about... What what a what a what a career trajectory! Like, imagine being Vin Diesel in the year two thousand, just on top of the world. Like, you know, you go from Saving Private Ryan, you think you're gonna be a respectable actor, like fucking Boiler Room, then like the Pitch Black thing. That's like you know at least a respected sci-fi movie. Then these films happen, and like you're like, all right, I'm at least gonna transition to into being like the go-to muscular fucking just like terrible actor. And then the fucking, the fucking, you smell what the rock is cooking guy all of a sudden comes on the scene. You know, the second he, the rock got cast in Southland Tales, Vin was like, this was my chance to expand my range. I was, <laughs> I was supposed to branch out. I was really going to stretch out on this one. <laughs> so then he, <laughs> Fuck. he's like, I was going to steal a car from a train. <laughs> Damn. I picture Vin Diesel just sitting there with his daughter's like toys, yeah, like toy all, train. 
like, a toy train and a like, toy all car. The very, all the various <laughs> automobiles. <laughs> he's like recording on a recorder, like, Vin he's, he's like, all right, Fast all right. Five pre production, pre visualization, day one. And he takes like a, a Thomas the tra- Tank Engine yeah. toy and slams it into a Barbie dream car. <laughs> It's like a it's like a chalkboard, and it says like he puts like ten like, hot wheels like, into a blender. It, it says like sti- sti- it's like it's like steel train from car, and it's crossed out. There's a whiteboard in the background that just has the word microchip with a question mark on it. It's like an idea. It's like an idea he's been trying to work into the past four movies. They're like, Vin, why, why, like, why are they stealing the cars for this one? And he's like, microchip. <laughs> I finished this movie two hours ago and I still have no idea what the purpose of the microchip is for. <laughs> Me, neither. <laughs> Me neither. I've done, like, literal research on this film and I still don't understand the plot of it at any level. The Rock, the, the rock made his subordinates completely disassemble and reassemble a car from scratch to figure out what was missing from it. It, it probably took days. And with, they're, they're like, yeah, there's nothing. And The Rock casually walks over and figures out within seconds that it's missing a microchip. <laughs> um, what, pretty much when The Rock shows up, this movie just kind of transforms into a living Under Armour logo. Um, <laughs> It, like, any time that The Rock and his compatriots are on screen, it's like an army-navy ad. It's, like, right. very weird. The yeah. vibe is Yeah, just... Godsmack starts playing immediately. And I, I... Listen, I ain't queer or nothing, but every scene with that Rock fella and his friends, I thought they, at any second, were about to break out sucking each other's penises. There was an Asian guy with a mohawk. <laughs> and he looked like a porn actor. Everybody who worked with The Rock looked like a porn actor, including the woman who, I guess, like ended up being Vin Diesel's girlfriend by the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. you mean the, the police officer who was trying to arrest him, and he responds by grabbing her by the throat and shoving her into a fucking wall. Damn. And the sexual tension is immediately palpable. Certain things are now inescapable in the Movie Blues podcast, and we're going to get into a, a lot of this in Fletchcast, uh, which is going to be next week's episode, but... um. Dude, I've never seen such blatant disrespect for, for the badge as the movies that we watch, <laughs> and it's not—it's like not even on purpose half the time. Like it just so happens that like um, all these movies, like dude, in the last third of this movie, I swear to God, between one and two hundred police were killed. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it's insane. ironic because the only people that like in earnest watch these movies are, are the back the blue people. <laughs> Just cops. Yeah, because because if there's one thing this movie disrespects more than fucking police, it's uh, women and the God. need to not commit violence against them. Ouch. <laughs> um, okay. Where's Letty Dom? Uh, where? Yeah, where's Letty Dom? That was like such a truther moment in this yeah. movie. Someone <laughs> like confronted Dom and was just like, "Dude, where's Letty?" And he's like, "Not tell them." It, it was the it was the guy from the first one. While they, while they were like fighting, he, oh, he, re- he really leadied her down. Um, dude, uh, so the acting in this movie is so goddamn funny. Um, uh, the Rock is just a horrendous actor. It's like you can <laughs> literally picture him reciting his lines in monotone in the mirror for hours on end. Like, like the mirror's all fogged up. He's in like a towel and he's just like looking directly into his own eyes, just being like, "We have to track down the cars. So put a tracker on the cars." So- <laughs> 
yes, we'll meet them downtown. <laughs> and beyond that, like, he's such a hulk of a presence, and every time they suddenly <laughs> pan to him, he looks like a fucking wild animal compared to the people around him. Like, they'll pan to, like, three normal people standing next to the rock, and it's literally as if, like, some, like, mutated freak has climbed out of the sewers and is just standing next to them. On top know, of that, he's so And wet. all of the dudes around him are, in and of themselves, such massive, muscular people, and then he walks by and he's twice the size of them. <laughs> Like, think of every classic movie monster, like Alien, you know, like, that, that alien in the, in Ridley's first movie is so wet, and every time they pan to it, it's covered in, like, a viscous slime, and I swear to God, like, that was what they were going for, maybe? I don't know. Um, because Vin Diesel, also bald, also enormous, also can probably also really- participating in the exact same chase scene. Yeah, also in the same chase scene, also with, like, a f size 48 waist, is- literally dry as a bone. Dude, I like to think that the, the way this movie came about is that they were writing it and they were like, all right, what happens in this chase scene? All right, Vin Diesel, he's stuck on the roof. The only option is for him to run and jump slow motion off the roof. And someone in the room was like, yo, we've done that in each of the last three movies. And they're like, all right, wait, what if midway during his plummet from the roof out of the window, the rock comes flying out? <laughs> and, someone was like, and someone was like oh shit it's like Vin Diesel times two and they Vin were like, like they were like Vin how do you make this shot we've done 300 times even better and he just goes another me <laughs> <laughs> um oh, oh my god damn we've got a lot to go here um I know so um, let's let's move on to the next absolute clown introduction in this movie, which is two characters, Chris Ludacris Bridges, which we've touched on, um, but also the return of one of our series favorites, uh, my boy yeah. Rome, um, yeah. who comes into this movie pretty hot. They refer to him as, quote, somebody who can bullshit around everything. And then, right. bam, he appears in a crocodile yeah. skin, leather jacket, one piece, black suit. Um <laughs> Uh, Ludacris turns to him and goes, I guess they really scraped the bottom of the barrel, which is like so meta because the two of them are for sure the actual bottom yeah, of the barrel the of the film. Of you actually skipped over my, my favorite scene in the film, which is where <laughs> they, they did their obligatory attempt to give Vin Diesel like an emotional like acting moment. Mm -hmm. they're, they're sitting on the porch drinking beers and Paul asks him if he remembers anything about his father. Because at this point we found out that Brian is going to have a baby. Um, Brian and, himself is pregnant. Yeah, right. So, so there, he asks Dom, and Dom's there trying to like reminisce about his father, and like I don't remember what he says. It's some stupid anecdote, but the message of it was basically that if you don't go to church, you're not allowed to eat barbecue. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's like literally how people in the Fast and Furious communicate with each other to like express sentiment. Like, you can't yeah. go to the barbecue unless you go to the church, family. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and that scene ends. That scene ends family. with the Diesel looking right at Paul Walker being like, we're gonna disappear forever. And that takes a totally different meaning when A, you know there's 11 more movies, and B, <laughs> that Paul Walker does disappear forever shortly after this one. And that C, they've said that exact thing about disappearing forever at the end of every movie we've watched so yeah. far. <laughs> so it's like kind of hard to believe them at this point, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, right. So Rome is, is I think, pretty bad in this movie. Like, he didn't really stand out. He wasn't nearly as funny as he was before. I think They, they made him the voice of reason character. We're I, in a situation really, yeah. where Rome right? is the voice of reason. It's fucking 
bonkers. Um, like at least he's saying homie a bunch, but he, like yeah, it's still not as much as I'd like. He said homie a lot, but dude, he didn't say bruh at all. No. Which was I tragic. Know. Which was I really like tragic. It's like the, if you were to go see a band, they didn't play the hits. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, like, the you, trajectory of you're not gonna really. say it was, like a, it was like a horse. It was like a bell curve. Like it was like huge yeah. for Too Fast, Too Furious, and so then it true. wasn't cool anymore. That's why they got rid of Ludacris's Afro too. Um, and also, and, I want to call out um, the, the the subtitle. I font. wish they just transported oh. Ludacris's Afro to Rome. That would have really <laughs> solved, I think, all of the issues. Yeah. I literally have a note that just says like Chris Ludacris bridges without an afro hard pass <laughs> like they're just like, like they're, this whole character they're constantly presenting this movie as like way more stylistic than it is like the subtitle fonts there's constantly characters oh speaking Spanish God. like they have two Spanish guys in their crew for some reason and the fonts are like bouncing in they and bounce. out of the screen every like, time like, someone like it's says like something it goes like, up down left right or diagonally <laughs> off the screen and the subtitles so are never at the bottom they come it's, in diagonally and like land at like the top left quadrant like it's, it's so distracting bonkers. dude it really is just like and the funny thing is Yet they're very tasteful in the fact that the font is completely normal. Like the font is like like Helvetica, and yeah, then right. but then it just goes flying off the screen. Like I was like when they first started talking, I was like, oh wow, restraint, and then it went flying off the screen. I was like, oh wow, never mind, <laughs> never mind. You couldn't even have that. Can't even communicate in these films without some sort of trickery. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so then. I really want to curb it around to like what the crux of the movie is. The crux of the movie is Ocean's Eleven, but we're stealing a vault out of a police station um, that is full of what was it? A hundred million dollars, I think. Yeah, something was, to that effect. Uh, it was. It was a hundred million dollars um, nine ways. When the plan is presented, uh, Rome thank thankfully delivers the finest line of the entire film, um, which was really the only thing he did in the entire film worth noting. He said, quote, well, they decide, you know, they figure out that it's 11 million a person. And he goes, quote, 11 million sounds like a whole lot of vaginal activity to me. <laughs> exactly what he said. Like, what? <laughs> Dude, what? <laughs> like, you're, he, he's, what? <laughs> he's, he's like, 11 million. I'm gonna spend 11 million dollars on pussies. Yeah, on pussy yeah. alone. And then at the Vaginal end of the movie, activity. spoiler alert, he makes all the money and just, like, shows up with a hooker. Yeah. And then yeah, Ludacris looks at him and he's like, man, your dream came true, huh, homie? And yeah, he's yeah. like, yes. <laughs> and he's somehow in a more bombastic suit. <laughs> It's, it's like they put him in so many different suits in this movie like they did do the full piece crocodile um, but also they put him in like a normal person suit and I honestly don't know which one was more ridiculous dude like the basic premise is that like this this antagonist this antagonist the main guy he he's like a mob boss type character like cartel guy but he like you know the government's in his pocket the police are in his pocket um, <laughs> initially it's like his money is spread throughout ten locations so they want to they want to pull off 10 heists at once. They're trying to do, like, uh, it's, like, almost the, the Breaking Bad, like, trying to kill all the guys in jail within, like, the same two-minute window thing. Yeah. Um, Definitely. It, it, and, like, it basically turns into <laughs> the, the fucking antagonist when he finds out that they're trying to steal his money. Too bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he tells all his henchmen that that he he wants all of his money moved and secured Wait. in exactly one hour, Dude, <laughs> which okay, is, coincidentally is the exact amount of time left in the movie. <laughs> Damn. 
Now we need to talk about one of the stupidest moments in, in movie history. In movie history. Um, um, so this movie... Is it Tyrese play, playing himself off as Brian with a tan? <laughs> no. Um, uh, this movie, dude, and the last movie had many scenes and iconography moments that they wanted to steal from the Dark Knight. I don't know why. I don't know what the idea was, but whoever made this and the last film were definitely inspired by the Dark Knight having come out. And so in this movie, whether it's the fact that they're stealing all this money, I mean, just the whole plot of the stealing the money and everything we're describing is honestly reminiscent of the plot of the Joker in the Dark Knight. And at one point, just like in the Dark Knight, you have a money burning scene. Now, in the Dark Knight, the money burning scene is used by the Joker who burns all of the mob's money to show them that it truly is not about money. It's right. about complete anarchy and sending a message. Now in this film, as soon as they decide that they're going to steal the money from this cartel, they go into one of his operations, the fuck the whole place up, fuck up all these dudes, and there's this, again, a huge pile of money in the middle of the room. To which Vin Diesel, who is part of a crew of people that are deeply desperate for any money to continue their life operation, they're living in a warehouse. They're this scraping, movie could have ended if they simply took this money. They scrape <laughs> the literal bottom of the barrel to survive. Brian's wife is pregnant. Yeah. And on the FBI's most wanted list. And Vin Diesel burns an entire table of what I would assume is, I think they said is several million dollars. Yeah. They burn to a crisp to send a message to the cartel. Now let's talk about a couple things really quick. The first of which being that if we're comparing it to The Dark Knight, what is the message that we're sending? Well, the message that he's trying to send is that we're coming for your money. But wait... He's burning the money, and if he stole well, no, this he money... Was try he was trying to provoke him into consolidating all of his money into one place. Right, right, but stealing the money would still do the same thing. Right. There's no... There is no physical difference between if, okay, if, if you have, if you're a drug cartel and somebody steals three million dollars from you, whether it's burned or not is of no consequence. Yeah, you still no, move all no of your money. that your response would be, okay, well then let me put my money all in one place so they only have to set one fire. <laughs> Dude, it is, it, it's ludicrous on so many different levels. And the fact that everyone in Dom's crew, who we know these people are in many cases backstabbers, criminals career criminals, like not even criminals, but people that are literally like called to do major crimes, stand there and blank facedly watch as a pile of millions of dollars is burned in front of them. It was one of the stupidest scenes I've ever seen in a movie. It just was. I mean, I mean considering they, they risk this entire crew completely risks their lives and freedom and everything that's possible to acquire $10 million each and two of the characters and the film by walking into a casino, one of them putting $10 million on red and $10 million on black at the roulette table and then in the roulette proceeding to land on double zero <laughs> it's completely insane <laughs> like um, money is the dude it's just the biggest band of complete fucking morons um, <laughs> they have 10 million dollars and they just put the entirety of it on red and black one of them is gonna lose all of their money that's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid it is literally, I mean, it's literally so If you want $10 million, I could see you going, like, and being like, all right, I'm going to go put $5 million on black just because that's a big dick swinging move, but let me hedge my bets a little bit and save some money. This guy gets 10 ships that equate to $10 million. <laughs> <laughs> 
and his friend walks up being like, that's a fucking idiot move. You don't do that. And then put it on red. (laughs) (laughs) And they forget that double zero is an option. Uh, um, so, uh, anyway, they decide to, um, go after all of the now consolidated money of two Braga. Um, if you're trying to get an idea for what the bad guy looks like, he looks like Phil Hartman in Latin blackface, kind of. Yeah, he's like the midway point between Phil Hartman and, uh, what's, what's the dude's name from, uh, Portlandia, Fred Armisen. <laughs> yes, kind he's of, like, yeah. He's like brown Fred Armisen. <laughs> Um, This guy looks like an SNL sketch um, come to life, and um, he consolidates all of his money into one place. Now, that place is the bottom of a police station. Again, Vin Diesel has called in a crew to figure out, and this crew includes like 10 people, to figure out how are you going to get the money. How are you going to get the money out of a vault that is under a police station? Um, Now, this opens up a Pandora's box. The first Pandora's box I want to consider is ethics. Um, as we've come to know, ethics are very strange in these movies. Um, all it takes is several characters being like, yeah, the cops are all corrupt. And then that opens up a door in which a plan is hatched where they're going to affix cables to this vault, which is maybe the size of like a semi truck. Right. Um, and then they are going to drag that vault, ATM being stolen style, out of the police station and drive it away. <laughs> that <laughs> through a major city. Through a major city. Now, okay. <laughs> First of all, the fact that this plan is, has to be devised by 10 people when it is a known tactic for people who steal ATMs is absurd. Um, yeah. But B, guys, you're gonna kill a hundred thousand people doing this, yeah. and I don't care. The destruction care. that this vault <laughs> does, like, it just unleashes on the city of Rio, is <laughs> It's literally it, devastating. It takes, it's it devastating. Takes two cars to drag this this fucking ball, and every time they turn right, the fucking vaults smashes through it. At one point, it smashes through an entire bank, and like fucking Vin Diesel's sister's like on the radio <laughs> laughing about it because she's, she's like, "Do yep. you guys just take out a bank?" Yes. <laughs> Um, it's fucking plowing through like school buses and shit. Again, when they devise this plan, Rome delivers his second worst line of the movie, which oh, wait, is where. Can, can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. Is it. <laughs> yes, this is big boy stuff. No. <laughs> no. Like, did you but, not write that line down? <laughs> uh, I did write down the line that was this just went from Mission Impossible to Mission in frickin' Sane. Oh my god, yeah, no, if there's any further proof that Vin Diesel got final cut on the script, <laughs> <laughs> it's, yes, this is big boy stuff, as they're fucking <laughs> And Rome tries to say it, like, it's like a cool line, it's like what it's doing, it's regular Fast and the Furious thing where it's cutting from car to car as they're making, like, weird quips to each other. <laughs> yes, this is big boy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I also really like in this movie how regularly The Rock called Vin Diesel boy. <laughs> nice. It, it felt so racist. Um, can we talk about like one one thing that happened in this movie that really, I mean, poisoned me for the rest of the movie? Like, I felt as if for the first hour of this movie, and this is before the vault chase, but I felt like during the first hour of this movie, it just didn't feel very like Fast and Furious-y, other than like 
being written by a first grader. Um, <laughs> and then at one point in the movie, as they're discussing kind of like curing the tools and funds and, you know, yada, yada, yada to do this heist, all of a sudden, dude, the Mexa-Spanish super squirt mega rap begins and we're at a fucking car race and there's yeah, fucking right. bitches everywhere. And I'm like, oh my God, thank God. And we were one hour and four minutes into this fucking garbage heap. And we're finally at a car race, right? Yeah, then yeah, right. slow pan into Vin Diesel's face. And he delivers the greatest line, maybe in any of these movies. He just looks up and goes, we're home. <laughs> <laughs> and, and honestly, I got chills. It was like Harrison Ford walking yeah, back right. onto the bridge of the Millennium Falcon. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah. dude, here we are. Finally. Here yeah. we go. Car race cut smash cut to them being done the race already (laughs) and back at the hideout and i literally dude i got up off of my couch and took my glasses off and was like i must take a break it was (laughs) it was my first break in the whole movie and i was like the fact that they did not just have a car race here was so unbelievable to me they were constantly teasing the audience there was the other scene as well where they're trying to uh where with the ultimate, I don't even remember what the actual purpose of it oh, it was for Ludacris to secretly put tracking devices on the Rock's cop cars, but they basically set up what looks like it's about to be a, a race again, but it's really just to get the Rock to come try to arrest them and get everyone to pull guns on the police. <laughs> but like, dude, it just like so so many aspects of this defy logic. Like, a the initial premise that we're presented with is that like they are all so broke that like Vin Diesel's sister's baby inside of her is starving to death. Um, yet they're able to suddenly fly 10 people to Brazil overnight. <laughs> like, like, All just first to, class. <laughs> yeah, without telling them what's going on. Uh, Second, secondly, at one point, uh, Vin Diesel knows, they all know that like the cop, they all ended up on the fucking FBI's most wanted list, so their way to handle that is to like provoke the cops into coming to arrest them. Like they're in hiding in this country, and all of a sudden they have access to within an hour round up a, gr- a crowd of like I don't know 200 people that all are willing to pull guns on the American police. <laughs> like, dude, but and and here it is. Here is one of the things that made me feel as if this is my favorite Fast and Furious movie so far. At some point in this movie, I don't know, because, like, if you look at my notes, it literally becomes just, like, a a jumble after a certain point. At some point in this movie, during either the bank vault chase or whatever, a gang of dudes rolls up on the Fast and Furious crew who work for the cartel, of course, ethically, because Fast and Furious ethics, they're all wearing masks, so they're basically not human. But finally, dude, every member of the crew picks up a gun, and, like, Vin Diesel picks up a shotgun, and fucking blast a dude like right in the face with it and i was like yes i was like okay we're killing we're killing people like it's not like oh we dragged a bank vault through the favela and murdered three thousand people in a marketplace by accident we're finally past there we're finally at a point where it's like pick up a gun and fucking kill everyone around you and it was elating to see that finally happen or how about how about the scene where Vin Diesel and The Rock fist fight? Oh my, oh my god! <laughs> when there's there's numerous other police with The Rock who could all the whole goal is to arrest Vin Diesel and instead what and they yeah, do is they have, allow like, them to. It was like in Godzilla where the the Asian guy is literally like let them fight. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's the ethical conclusion of what needs to happen here. Is the two biggest dudes literally about to murder him? He picks up a fucking giant wrench and is about to <laughs> slam it down on his face, and instead slams it down right next to him to let him arrest him. But that means that all the police were going to let him just smash their face. Um, dude. Oh god. That's um, big boy stuff. <laughs> that is big boy stuff. Um, okay. Okay, okay, dude. There, then the uh, my ethics uh, lessons from this movie continued on and then flew totally off the handle when a, a change happened in this movie that I thought was so fucking funny. I couldn't get enough of it. Basically what happens, guys, is that, you know, they're... they're setting up this plan in which they're going to rob the cartel of all of his money and I want everyone to remember again what I said before that the drug cartels in these countries often get their money from uh, basically torturing their communities through drug, drugs, poverty, everything you could possibly imagine to extort money from their own people. So this is not really like it is the drug cartel's money, but it could be better given to other people. Right. Um, the the point is that they're going to steal money from the cartel, and um, it's again this horrible Robin Hood situation. And The Rock is chasing Vin Diesel throughout all of this. Again, The Rock is a cop. He is a lifelong member of the force. He is the top of the DEA agents' strike force. They're constantly reinforcing that he's, like, the cop. The best. Like, this, this guy does not stop until he gets exactly what he wants until he actually gets what he wants and then gives them a 24-hour head start. <laughs> at, at a certain point in the movie, after, like, a bunch of, like, smirk talking and, like, very close to each other, like, threatening, Vin Diesel basically tells The Rock, dude, we're stealing this money from the drug cartel. And The Rock is just like, all right, I'll help you with that. Yeah, right. So this shift... Is so fucking absurd. It's because and, Vin Diesel saves The Rock when he has the opportunity to just let him die. But dude, it's hard to understand why The Rock went from being the best FBI agent in the world to another petty criminal in Dom's crew. He they're, literally they're trying to draw the. Sorry. They cut to a shot where The Rock is literally shooting up a police station. <laughs> right. Right. Whether they are corrupt or not, The Rock right. went against orders slammed a military truck through a police station while aiding a group of car robbers whose sole goal isn't just to take down the cartel, but to steal the cartel's money for their own retirement. Yeah, that I means mean, that this Dom's is not an embodiment of, like, American government's <laughs> feelings of foreign government's authority. I don't know what else is. Like, instead of joining Dom's crew in that moment, couldn't he just call it in backup? Right. Like, yeah, I mean, they're trying to draw this clear it's uh, like a sense of nostalgia situation. because it's no, it's a Paul Walker and FF1 situation. Right. He's, he's, he's the cop charged with taking down Dom and is lured in by this, this family. <laughs> <laughs> once they don't let... One, dude, so there, there's... Uh, the, the Rock's police crew gets attacked by all these criminals and there's like this weird like saving private ryan-esque like ptsd slow motion like trauma situation where the rock is like on the ground he's struggling he's looking around like each of his boys are dead and the one that's left alive is like hanging his body's like barely alive hanging out of a car and then a grenade lands right next to him and then instead of blowing up then a second grenade lands next to him <laughs> that was amazing i loved that actually i thought that was so, so funny, funny. <laughs> And then they both blew up. Why did there need to be two grenades? <laughs> like, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, the stakes, the stakes were high enough. Again, clearly Vin Diesel's producer credit. Two <laughs> grenades. <laughs> 
Two's bigger. We have but two. Never mind that the first grenade gets thrown. Like, ten seconds later, the second grenade shows up, and then they both blow up at the exact same time. And Vin Diesel's response is to then go save the rock, and then at that point, the rock is like, all right, we're, we're, it's like a will-they-won't-they they situation. Like, he doesn't want to, like, completely fuck him, but he's like, he'll give him a hand job. But, like, dude, going back to the rock, though, like, at... at <sighs> At a certain point, like, The Rock literally shoots the bad guy of the movie in the face without thinking twice. And then he's like, and then he's like, Dom and Brian, I I can't just let you guys go. Um, You know, I'm going to have to come after you. But, like, dude, you're part of the team now. You helped destroy the entire city of Rio. Like, what are you talking about? And on top of that, he's like, he's like, I can't just let you go. So I'm going to give you 24 hours. Dude, and then something happens, man, that, like that I, I don't even want to go into. I mean, there's just so many funny things about it. I don't even want to go into. But basically, the twist of the movie is that this vault that they have now dragged through the city streets... <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Let's say that the entire ride that they pull this vault on through Rio is 10 miles. Right. Okay? It is revealed that at mile two or three tops... Yeah. Yeah. Very that the on. vault is switched out with a different vault the that has no must money have in cost it. a million dollars at least. To easily, produce. easily. <laughs> and yet, this team, and they don't show you any of this, this yeah. team has constructed a literal exact replica of the same vault, which they then hook to the cars and drag for another eight miles, <laughs> destroying everything in its path, putting their lives in complete jeopardy. Now, Dan, right. think for a moment, right? They take the vault. They, they get under, under a bridge, essentially, right? Yeah, they make overpass. the switch. They make the switch. Gal Gadot drives away with the vault. No one is chasing her. Why not end it there? Right, exactly. Why get to a point where Vin Diesel and Brian both have to almost literally sacrifice their lives to continue pulling this vault? At one point, Vin says to Brian, go on without me. Right. Get this vault and go on without me. There's right. nothing in it, and they both right. know it. They know that. Yeah, the dramatic irony, it's just like, dude, It's it doesn't make sense. Like, you didn't, nothing in this movie was thought no, about. It doesn't hold up to scrutiny at all. Past prima facie, past the first level of anything that happened in yeah. this movie, it immediately falls apart. I mean, from Jump Street, the way that they sco- they scope out the vault is by sending Tyrese into the police station to basically get a, a box put into evidence and that Dude, box contains that a robot scene. that has a camera but like so so, so the way the, they justify the it level is that, of contrivances in that scene are unreal <laughs> yeah okay you want to talk about level of contrivances the, the 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 idea is that Tyrese is going to pretend to be an FBI agent dropping off as evidence um, to support this he's wearing a mm-hmm. reasonable suit for mm-hmm. once and he has Brian's FBI ID uh, a white man yeah right which he holds up and um, rather than acknowledge that it's a picture of a white man the 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 cop who watches the evidence room is like your badge says Caucasian, and he's like he's like yeah I have a tan. So can, wait, can we say the, also the, that the, his his tactic off the bat is let's hit on the, yeah, the, the woman, cop. the female. He, he cop. pretty much walks up and it's like yo nice pussy. He's like what's up nice pussy baby, <laughs> yeah. like and he's trying to pretend to be an FBI officer. Yeah, and that's right. his, and that is his approach, yeah. and that is what a hundred million dollars is now being staked on yeah. is a man with that approach. Right. So then it switches to she walks away and a male cop pulls up and uh, notices right away that clearly that's Brian's FBI badge, not fucking Rome's. Uh, notes that clearly Rome not a bald black man with chicken. 
black man, not a blonde hair, blue-eyed Caucasian man, and still does not doubt the situation and see anything suspect nope. about it. He won't let him into the vault, but he does still take the box without checking what's inside of it and put it into evidence. Oh my god, Dan. I really don't even have much more to say about this movie. It is so fucking terrible, but also... Can we talk about some positives? Let's do some positives real quick because we've just been trashing this movie terribly. But um, some positives for me in this movie, um, like, and and this is corroborated by the director. They did more practically in this one yes. than they had done in any yes. other movie. I wrote a lot about that. Um, the vault. It was that nice was to actually dragged. see there be real cars during the car scenes for once. The vault that was being dragged down the street actually had a supercharged car, car inside of it. That was driving to um, simulate it being dragged by these cars. The cars weren't dragging it. It was actually right. a car with an entire fake vault built around it that That's they cool. literally did these insane stunts with. So, like, on a technical level, yeah, I mean, that was the best thing I'd seen since FF2, that when in, at the end of FF2, where there was like 700 cars driving yeah, at the same right. time. That kind of made me feel the same way. And yeah. um, they did a similar thing this time, but it was all police cars. There was like a shit ton of police cars. And I was like, oh, it's actually cars, not like need for speed looking fucking CGI cars. Um, this movie had a happy ending, which like, it's just rare to see in like long form franchise filmmaking or just movies in general that like things end up good and you don't have to feel terrible at the end of a, a movie that was terrible all the way through and I kind of appreciated that I was like okay they, they did it because now there's a baby involved now, now <laughs> in, in the fifth movie baby. In, in the fifth movie in which the underlying plot is family <laughs> now, it, now it actually truly becomes about family um, this was the first Fast and Furious movie where Dom directly talked about family did you realize that? <laughs> No. Like, of all of these movies that we've watched, and I've made a note of it in the podcast episodes, Dom has not said the word family or said anything about family. This was the first one where he actually directly said something about family. I had it written down. I'm not sure where it is, but it, like, literally blew my mind. I was like, wow, finally um, we're getting into it with the family stuff more than, like, what we're inferring is the plot of all these movies. <laughs> now they're outright saying it. Um, I can't even find it, but the bottom line is he finally said it, and I was like, Yeah, they talk Dope. about family quite a bit. Um, it, it, it's what they didn't do, I, though, compared to these other ones, is, like, drink Corona. There was no Corona no, at all in no, this movie. Corona did not pay their, their tax for this movie. <laughs> Furthermore, when Tej, Roman, and Han are sitting around a coffee table um, discussing their plans for the heist, there's a bottle of Conjure Cognac on the table. Did you see that? No. That's Chris Ludacris Bridges Cognac Company. Amazing. So I guess they kind of sold out for this one a little bit. Um, Vin Diesel was paid $15 million to be in this movie. Let's That's how much that it costs to make dogma. <laughs> um, uh, during an on-set interview for Fast and Furious 6... Oh, well, we should actually talk about... Did you watch the end credit scene of this movie? Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. talk about fucking... Where's Letty? Yeah, fucking... She's alive, dude. You believe in ghosts? And they brought back fucking what's-her-face from FF2. Yeah, um, Eva Mendez. Eva Mendez. And I, I, yeah. I read that apparently she's in none of them after that, which is Incredi really disappointing. Yeah, I was going to say, did they literally pay Eva Mendez scale to show up for a day and be in an after-the-credits scene that's they 30 seconds long? They paid her fish scale. 
<laughs> yeah, whore. Um, the role of Hobbs was originally envisioned for Tommy Lee Jones. Because, <laughs> like, so Fugitive. Literally, Vin Diesel watched The Fugitive. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> and, like, yep. somewhere between him drawing on his chalkboard and crayon and this becoming a film, they were like, all right. Actually, we're what a fucking. It's not even like a lateral um, move. Dan, I I've been kind of. I'm now realizing this. I swear to God, um, that I've been kind of pointing at the whole time that this movie could have been written by a child. Um, here is a fact from IMDb. Um, uh, the role of Hobbs, once again, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, uh, was brought into Fast Five because of a fan suggestion from a little girl named Jan Kelly, who said she would, quote, love to see the two of them work together on screen. <laughs> <laughs> it's that just Vin Diesel holding a little girl really tightly by the arm. He's like, tell him what you said. <laughs> and she's like, hey, I, want, I want to see you. Hey, I want to see you in the Rock Five. No, there's like, no thanks. way that Vin Diesel, like, by choice, shared screen time with The Rock. <laughs> he did not set himself up to be the smaller man on screen. There's no way. Um, Gal Gadot's character... You know, dude, you, hold on. You know Vin Diesel only agreed. He was like, fine, we can have The Rock as long as there's one scene where I clearly beat the shit out of mm-hmm. him. <laughs> of course. Without a doubt. Where I, where I, where he still arrests me, but first I beat, embarrass, and shame him in front of his co-workers. <laughs> They're like, okay, Vin. And The Rock doesn't even like, make sense, but yeah. okay. I feel like their feud like, is like totally you, one-sided. It's just Vin Diesel being angry and The Rock being like, you're going to pay me how much? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fine. They're like, Vin, all these other cops watching, you don't think they would like step in? He's like... Mono e mono. <laughs> um, let me go get the movie blues season three scoreboard, Dan. Why don't you okay. talk to the audience? Okay. Um, Dan's going to get the scoreboard, and um, I don't know. Did we talk about everything? I'm I'm pretty caught up on the this is big boy stuff aspect of it. This big boy stuff. It's like Tyrese. I don't. I don't. I don't even know what movie, what year Fast Five came out. I have to imagine Tyrese is long. This is his first film in a while, and you know, there's a point where I'm like, I I I feel happy for him that he is able to get you know some food on the table, um, but it, it's got to be embarrassing. Like, why can't they just? It, it's like it's like the writers of this one watched FF two, and saw how cartoonish and clown-like Tyrese was, and they were like, let's write him to be, on top of that, a complete fucking moron. <laughs> like, like, it's fucking insanity, the dialogue they gave him. Like, it feels like a minstrel show. It's It feels like they're like, all right, Tyrese is clearly just, like, the dumb, the dumb buffoon of the film. Right. Um, Dan, what would you like to give... 2011's Fast Five on the Golden Gun rating scale. Um, do you know what we gave the previous FF films? I think I gave it a four, and you gave it like a six, maybe, or something to that degree. Which is a I shame. gave FF four a six. Maybe, maybe like a five. I don't know. You thought it was pretty good, which is I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. Yeah. I enjoyed I mean, it more than was, Too Fast, this Too one Curious, which made me upset. Clearly better than it. This one was by far the best one. Yeah. 
there's it's weird that like I have this hatred, this seething hatred for each of them. Uh-huh. Yet when they all, when it was the first scene where they all came together on screen, I was like overwhelmed with nostalgia and like pleasure about seeing them all come together. I was I like, was oh, the, I was like, the gang's all back together. And then it occurred to me, oh wait, this is there's no back together. They're all meeting each other for the first time. Tokyo yeah. Drift takes place in a totally different fucking timeline, dude. And beyond uh, that, none of these characters have any development, so I don't care about them. Like, and and this is this is the fact that will make you realize that that is so fucking true. Gal Gadot's character in this film, um, her name is Giselle. Um, right. Her name is never once said in the movie. Yeah, what is what is she? Who is she? Like, She's like she went to the Israeli army. That's like her character and her in real life. Okay. But the long story short is she is in I would say 40 to 50% of this movie has probably 100 lines and does not right. no one says her name. So that's the level of care that this franchise is taking onto its characters. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't give a fuck. It's just it's just an excuse to have fucking attractive people on screen all the time. Dan, what would you give 2011's Fast Five? I I mean, I want to give it a six, but if I gave Fast Four a six, surely this is more than that. So, I gave like, it a six originally, and then I realized I really panicked in terror, and I moved it to a 5.6. That is my I, rating. Uh can I retroactively change my score of, of Fast 4? Yeah, of All course. Right. So Fast 4, in I'll give it a 4. Like, I got from this movie what I thought I got from Fast 4, which was just like, it's so fucking stupid that I was laughing at multiple times. That's what I was telling you in the fucking Fast 4 episode. I was like, this is not that funny. And then this one was that funny. Yeah, this one was hilarious. But apparently, and I know I said this last time, it gets only funnier and more ridiculous. So how? Like how is? It? Well, I mean, by, dude, by there's the one sheer movie where the sh- fact that Michelle Rodriguez is alive is yeah. fucking bonkers. <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, we're heading to. We watched her get murdered on screen. We saw it happen. <laughs> I, I, from what I've seen, we're heading towards like Die Another Day, Batman and Robin territory soon. Like, invisible cars and shit. No, without a doubt. Like, literally. Oh, wait, isn't there a new one coming out and they're going to space? Yes. Yo, that's going to be the next one, yeah. Yeah, I cannot wait for that. Um, (laughs) Me neither, buddy. I can't wait to see what you can see. Well, did you... I don't know if you didn't. You don't read movie news. But the new one, Fast and Furious 8, has now been delayed a full year. So they was going to come out, like, around Christmas, and now they've pushed it back to, like, another full year. Um... But that'll be probably in season four. We can go see that live, which would be fucking wild. Dude, we should go 40X. see that in a drive-in so we can see it in a car. I want to see that one in 12DX. Dude, that movie in 4DX would probably give me a legit migraine, and I'm for it. Dan, what would you give 2011's <sighs> Fast Five? I don't want, I'm sick of holding this board. All right, I'm going to give Fast Five a, a 5.9. Fair. That's good. That's good. All like, right. by no stretch of the imagination is it good, but it's entertaining as hell in the fact that, like, you know how many people it takes to make a movie of this scale. And these are people who, you know, went to film school, are paying off debt, they joined a union, they, they wake up at five in the morning to fucking have to go watch Vin Diesel make $15 million to be like, family. Like, it's a fucking absurd. It's like, a joke, dude. Like, this movie. Like, it's like dude, a movie. Like, of literally. course Donald Trump is president. Like, look at what we fucking make. Like, look at what we're we produce as a, Like, we don't produce. We have no industry anymore. What we produce is film, and this is what our film industry is. Look at what your into. laziness and gluttony hath wrought, America. 
We have <laughs> nine Fast and Furious movies. Fuck yeah. you. Yeah. Anyway, Dan, we'll be back next week for Fletchcast. <laughs> Finally, a dream come true for Dan Endon on the podcast. Um, yeah. Really looking forward to that one. It should be, um, I'm sure, as serious and well dialed as any of our reviews. And uh, Dan, wait. Do you have so, what did you give this? A five point six. Five point six. Yep. So what's that? What's the total? Uh, five point six and five point nine. Don't make me do that. I don't know. I'll figure it out later. It's a lot okay. more. We've done two episodes this season. Oh yeah, one, right. we, one has a zero point zero. <laughs> so no matter what that adds up to, it's going to be better than that. I'm picturing the old board. See, this is the downfall of doing this remotely. Dan, you want to drop me a big fat baby? <laughs> yeah, much like uh, much like Vin Diesel's sister in Fast and the Furious Five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is all going to end with a baby. <laughs> <laughs> nice.